This is episode 81, Choosing to Leave an Issue-Based Relationship with Rachel. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I wanted to share that the downloads for the show have continued to go up and up, and I just want to thank you all for that because it means you're loving the show so much that you're sharing it with people in your life. That means the world to me and ensures the success of the show. And I always welcome your feedback. If you haven't already, please go to christinehasser.com and fill out the survey about this podcast. So many of you have given me such great feedback. I'd love to hear from more of you. Again, christinehasler.com slash survey. It only takes a few minutes. Well, it has been an interesting couple of weeks for me. I don't think I've shared too much about this, but about two weeks after I moved to San Diego, I moved from Los Angeles to San Diego, I got cast on a TV show as the expert coach that shoots in Los Angeles. So... After living in Los Angeles for 16 years and never being on a TV show, I moved to San Diego and then boom, get booked on a TV show that shoots back here in LA. So I'm recording to you right now from my beautiful corporate apartment in Woodland Hills. And I was being sarcastic when I said beautiful, (laughs) but I'm really just in awe of this kind of whole opportunity and just the funny ways the universe works. So basically I'm spending four days in San Diego a week and three days here. Lots of time in my car, lots of time to listen to some podcasts and make some phone calls and also just reflect on how you know there's always a divine timing and order of things. And For so much of my life, especially as a teenager and even in my 20s after I left my agent job, I wanted to be on TV. I was a kid actor. That's one of the ways that I dealt with the bullying and depression that was happening in school. I My parents got me into an acting school and I did TV acting and got scouted once and moved out to California and I ended up not pursuing it because boy, acting is full of a lot of rejection and I just couldn't take it. And so I decided to work on the other side of the camera and that's what led me to my career as an agent. But I never kind of lost that dream of of TV and I always sort of felt that longing in my heart. And as we've discussed on this podcast many times before, I believe those longings in our hearts are really psychic predictions of what's to come. You know, we feel that urge for relationship or we feel that urge to make an impact in terms of our career. Or in this example, we feel that urge to be on TV and we try to force it, we try to manipulate it and we try to control it. And we're not always successful, but if we just let go and focus on our zone of genius and and what we love, then oftentimes those things do come to us, just not in the form or the timing that that we would have thought. 
you know, if I could go back 20 years ago and tell my teenage self, oh yeah, you're going to be on a TV show one day. She's going to just have to wait a couple decades. <laughs> she would have been like, oh, okay, cool. And I'm so glad that it's happening now and not a moment sooner because the form that it's happening in and the way that it's happening in all just is really aligned with the work that I already do. So I can't say too much about it, but I can tell you that it's about romantic relationships. So I've really been in the heat of seeing what keeps us in unhealthy relationships and what prevents us from having the healthy ones that we crave. More often than not, the major issue that comes up in romantic relationships has to do with our relationship with our parents. Whatever we crave but did not get from our mother or father or whoever our parental figure was is what we tend to look for in a mate. In other words, if we had an emotionally unavailable mother, we tend to date emotionally unavailable women thinking that we will finally get the love we craved from a woman or even a man from our romantic partner. Or if we had an absentee father or one that we felt abandoned by, we tend to go after men or women who abandon us or who don't show up fully or who aren't really around. And again, it doesn't matter if you're a man or woman, gay or straight, whose ever love, validation, and attention you crave the most and didn't get, you will often seek out in a romantic partner until you heal those core issues. All this will make a lot more sense after you listen to my session with Rachel. She's been in a relationship for six years and for most of it has felt uneasy and very lonely, but still doubts whether or not she should stay. Before we dive in, just a reminder that Fresh Books is giving my listeners a 30-day unrestricted free trial. Fresh Books is a super, super easy online accounting software that's completely transformed how freelancers and small business owners deal with their day-to-day paperwork. It's been redesigned from the ground up and really built for the way you work. And one of the most important things to know about FreshBooks and the thing that I love about it is it's super simple, even if you're not a numbers person, actually, especially if you're not a numbers person. So like I said, FreshBooks is offering a free unrestricted trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash Christine and enter over it and on with it in the how did you hear about us section. Again, freshbooks.com slash Christine. So as you're listening to my call with Rachel, consider whose love, attention, approval did you crave the most as a child and how have you been playing that out with people you have or are dating or even people that you've married? Are you in a relationship that you're questioning? Do you know that you should be single and on your own for a while, but the thought of it feels so, so scary? Is your connection with a higher power something you'd like to deepen? Keep those questions in mind as you listen to my session with Rachel. Rachel, welcome to the show. What's your question? Well, I've been feeling really uneasy and lonely in my relationship. I've been with my boyfriend for six years, and he is in counseling right now for some severe depression and was also told he has obsessive compulsive personality disorder, which kind of explains what some of our issues are. I've always really felt like the last on his list of priorities, you know, things like birthdays, holidays were never really acknowledged, no affection, been really lonely. And I think I've felt that way for a long time and just kind of ignored it and accepted what our life was. And I realized I just can't do it anymore. And I'm struggling with whether or not to stick by him through this and See if things change through counseling or if it's just time to move on. 
What's kept you in the relationship for six years? The hopes that things would always get better. You know, I wanted to get married and have children. And the ultimatum was I had to quit smoking to be married. And so I quit smoking and, you know, he still hasn't kind of made that leap. And, you know, it's not really even about the marriage. I guess it's just someone claiming me and saying they want me. And I never really Mm -hmm. felt that from him. And now it's, you know, since I said things need to change, he's trying a little bit. And I feel like now that he's trying, I have to see how far he's able to go. But I'm also 34 and I don't want to wait forever Mm -hmm. and find out in five years that nothing's changed. Well, other than wanting to be married and have a family, what about him keeps you in the relationship? I don't know. And I've struggled with that thinking, what do I really even love about him? And I, I can't even put any a word on it. I don't know. I think it's the companionship and, you know, being scared to be alone. And he is a very good person. And, you know, I'm scared that I'm going to lose good qualities in him if I decide to leave. Okay. So Tony Robbins always asks a great question. And one of the questions that he asks is, as a child, whose love did you crave the most, mom or dad? I would say probably, probably dad. I've always sought his approval. Mm-hmm. And what was your relationship with your dad like? Um, it was good. He was My parents divorced when I was 13. Um, he left my mom for another woman and we didn't see him very often, but I'm still looking, I think for that. Um, even now with considering moving, you know, he said, come live with me for a while if you'd like. And it sounds so appealing just because it's comforting to be with my my dad. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you said you always thought for his approval. What do you mean by that? Tell me more about that. What did you want? Um, I just wanted to impress him. I felt like I, you know, failed in school. I, when I finally did get a good job, I was, you know, excited to tell him about that because, you know, it would excite him. I could see how proud he was. And, um, yeah, I I don't know. What was challenging about your relationship with your dad? What did you want from him that you didn't feel like you got or didn't get consistently? Um, I feel like it was always, very surface. We we were close, but it wasn't like I could really go to him and say, you know, I I was never able to tell him how it hurt when I was younger, um, him leaving. I feel like it was always just a very surface relationship. It wasn't someone I could go to to talk about my problem. Mm. So there was a lack of, of intimacy and a lack of a feeling of safety. Right. I was very close with my mom, but I was always looking for my dad. Do you feel like he had a wall up? Um, I think so. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm. Okay. So going back to that question that I said Tony Robbins asked a lot, whose love did you crave, your mom's or your dad? Mm-hmm. Whose ever love we crave the most in a parent that we didn't get, we then usually go out and start dating right. and get relationships with that very similar pattern. Mm-hmm. So what you've told me about your boyfriend, he's obsessive compulsive and he's depressed, which, which means on some level he's emotionally unavailable. Right. 
Because with that obsessive compulsion and with depression, there's a little bit of self-focus. And like you said, you don't feel like a priority. You know, he's, he feels very selfish. Um, he's always striving. It's all about self-improvement for him and his goals. And yet it's, I'm doing this for us. You know, I'm trying to get better for us, but it never feels like it's for us. It mm-hmm. feels for him. But do you see that grown up Rachel didn't really pick him? 13 year old Rachel yeah. did? Right. Yeah. I do feel that a lot of times I feel like an adult child. I feel like he was the one that showed interest in me and mm-hmm. I grabbed him before I even really knew who he was. Right. Cause you wanted to be chosen. You wanted to be right. acknowledged. You basically wanted dad. Yep. So yeah. this really isn't about should you or should you not end the relationship. This is really about looking at what the relationship is. Right. And I talk about the five different kinds of relationships. And and from my point of view, this is a bit of an issue-based relationship, which means your issues dovetail with his issues. Right. (laughs) So he's a perfect fit for you because there's this need in you to be acknowledged and seen and approved of, but you want it to be by someone like your dad. So you had to kind of go out and pick someone who was a little emotionally unavailable. Right. And I'm not saying that your dad was necessarily emotionally unavailable. I don't know your dad, but mm-hmm. your experience of him based on what you shared with me was that. Right. And who knows, he might have had guilt and shame around right. leaving. You might have reminded him of your mother, which was hard for him, who he might right. have known you were close to your mother. So there was probably a lot going on. But from your adolescent perspective, which is totally reasonable, I mean, as mm-hmm. adolescents, especially as adolescent girls, we take everything personally. Someone sneezes, right. we take it personally. Right. So I have complete empathy for how you felt that that was what was happening. There's a sense of like just so, so wanting him to choose you and see you and acknowledge you and pick you up and tell you you were the most beautiful, smartest, special girl in the world and he wanted to spend all his time with you. Right. And so the fact that, you know, you never felt chosen by dad, A, he divorced mom and left and and B, he found another woman, Mm -hmm. right? So that's like double rejection. Right. There's an old wound there that your current boyfriend is really pushing up against. That makes sense. And I just, I don't know how to, I've never been alone living by myself, any of that. And it's really scary, but I feel like I have lost, I don't even know what my goals are or what I like. I just Mm -hmm. kind of immersed myself in everything he enjoyed, hobbies, because that's where he got excited and showed interest in me was when I was involved in that. You know, now I don't even know what I like. (laughs) Yes. And Rachel, it's very important for you to hear this. Love is not cloning someone. Love is not becoming everything you think they want you to be. Right. That's codependence. That's not love. Right. And you were doing the best you could based on what you knew. But I think you're seeing now that this relationship was was and is based on old core stuff. And so until some of that is healed, it's fairly challenging to get a clear picture of what you want in the relationship. 
And my advice for people in issue-based relationships is that couples counseling often isn't the best idea. (laughs) That really both people individually need to work on themselves, take a break from the relationship, and then maybe it can come back around and you know, the issues aren't dovetailing up against each other, but we don't know. My encouragement to you would be to take a break. Okay. But you have to make that decision. Yeah. I feel like I need one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's the thing, Rachel. I feel like you want one. I do. I was being packed up, ready to go. And he begged me to stay. (laughs) Right. But that's the pattern, right? It's like you have to be that dramatic to get his love. Right. And to get his attention. Right. And that is not what you want. It is not healthy. No. You don't want to have to use threats and ultimatums like like you had to quit smoking. He had to do this. You have to do this. He has to do that. Like, no. Right. I'm glad you quit smoking. Yes, me too. <laughs> I'm really glad you quit smoking. But the whole, like the way you you get each other to do things is through ultimatums, it's through control, it's through fear. Right. It's through the fear of losing each other that you wake the other one up. That is not love. No. And I know that. And I feel like deep down he knows it too. And that's when I tried to leave. But you know, it's also a feeling of security. It's been six years. There's a history. And now it's it's like, how do I rip the bandaid? But let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is it really a feeling of security? Is being with someone who is depressed, obsessive, compulsive, emotionally not very available, doesn't make you feel like a priority, is that really security? No. And it's actually very lonely. And I feel like it's taking a toll on my body. I can feel the anxiety. Mm-hmm. I can, I feel sick all the time. I just, it's, yeah. I don't think either one of us is getting anything out of it. Well, you're getting some major lessons, but right. I can hear in your voice that, that a part of you is withering away. Yeah, I do. I feel like I've fallen apart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes we have to fall apart to find our wholeness again. Right. And so cry your tears, have your grief about it, but don't go into a victim story. Yep. You're only 34. Mm -hmm. This is something you can move through quickly with some support. The more you take action Mm -hmm. and the more you redefine your definition of being alone. You know, one thing that I would recommend for you, are you familiar with Byron Katie and her work called The Work? Okay. Yeah. So start busting your beliefs. Like, I'm scared of being alone. Mm -hmm. Is that really true? No. Oh, I think I'm scared of the, the loneliness, the silence, being with myself. I don't know how to even sit alone by myself in my house. And is that in. 100%? Is that 100% without a doubt true? No, no. <laughs> it's just a feeling. So what could be truer to believe? Um, that I'm just not 
comfortable with myself yet, but um, but I feel like I need someone else there to make me happy. Mm-hmm. That well, that being alone is just unfamiliar. And P.S. Someone else is there right now, Rachel, and you're not happy. Yeah, I know. So this is what I mean about busting the beliefs. Mm-hmm. You've really got to look at what you're telling yourself because a lot of what you're telling yourself is BS, baloney. Yeah. And I feel like if I was a friend or if I was my younger self, I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, and I know that. Well, have some compassion for yourself here because again, you're trying to get a core wound filled, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you look up to your dad, you love your dad. There's this piece that's that was just trying to get love. Right. We're all, we all do this. We mm-hmm. all try to get love. We all try to, you know, fix those those little broken hearts inside of us through right. whatever we do it through. You know, this is so human. And so it's really, really important to have compassion with yourself. And now that you're aware of it, take some action. And a big thing for you is, is looking at this word alone. And this is a huge time for you to really deepen in your spiritual practice. I remember when I got divorced and that was really the first time in my life I was without a man because from being in college and having my first boyfriend at 19 till when I got divorced in my early thirties, I... I always was with somebody. Right. And even in the in the four months in between my fiance, ex-fiance and meeting my husband, mm-hmm. I was living with a group of people. No <laughs> so way. I was really never alone. And so when I moved in and I was alone, it was like I could feel that desire to get in a relationship or get a roommate or be really busy with work or watch TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what... I had to discover for myself was my relationship with my higher power. Yeah. Because if we nurture that and commit to that, then there's never the feeling of being alone. Right. And so much of the dad stuff is really about your connection to your higher power because that is the ultimate source of safety and security. When we know the universe, God, spirit, whatever has our back. So what is your current spiritual practice? What is your relationship with your God, whatever you call it? Um, well, kind of since all this transpired, I've been kind of searching again. I feel like when we started dating, I kind of trailed off. Um, you know, I was involved in Bible studies and things like that. And, you know, I kind of gave that up when we got together and I've kind of been searching for it again. And I really don't know what. I believe right now, but I'm definitely find myself searching. Well, don't look too much outside yourself. Yeah. It's in you. Yeah. And sometimes it's as simple as getting on your knees Mm -hmm. and saying, God, help. All right. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. Help. Yeah. I do need that. I think that would help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a little bit to feel like anyone's listening Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we're so conditioned to be in our mind. But trust me, it's there. Yeah. Trust me, it's there. And 
the way you want other people to see you and acknowledge you, Rachel, Mm -hmm. please start doing that for yourself. Yeah. Because I feel the same way. I don't, I don't want to run into another relationship and I can see myself wanting that. Please don't. Yeah. Unless you want to be calling me again in a year (laughs) with the same question. Right. (laughs) Right. Give yourself some time. Take the pressure of age and biological clock off the table. You're fine. Mm -hmm. A lot of healing can happen in a year. Yeah. But I would give yourself at least a year of not dating, like really dating yourself, Mm -hmm. really working on healing these patterns and nurturing your spiritual relationship. And I, I also am curious, do you have anywhere else you can move other than back in with your dad? Um, I mean, I could definitely get my own place. I think it's just comforting to know I'd be with family and, you know, that's kind of what was making it easier for me to leave. Well, but do you want this process to go fast or slow? Fast. (laughs) Then move in by yourself. Yeah. That's even more. (laughs) Yeah. Why do you think I'm advising you to do that? Um, because it's basically like moving from my boyfriend to a different version of my boyfriend. Yes, very well said. And it's a little challenging to, it's like, it's like somebody saying, okay, we're going to put an AA program in a bar. Right. Right. That makes sense. And you can still lean on people for support. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying you need to be totally alone, but this is a time when soul friends, people doing this kind of consciousness work, being in that kind of community is really supportive. But if you go back to living at home, it's like there's going to be a constant activation. Right. And I'm still the adult child living with her parents. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I really support you and like, I know this is emotionally hard and I know there's grief and I know this is sad in so many ways and I'm excited for you. Yeah, it's time for you to discover who you are. I know you are. Yeah. I know you are. And that's normal. That's normal. And you want to feel that, but don't stay in the comfort land of sad for too long. Yeah. I know. I See just, this for what it is. I just don't know how to tell him, sorry, it's it's too late, too late to change, you know. I don't think those are the words. Yeah. I think it's more along the lines of, because you don't want to say it's too late. It was never about him changing. Right. You picked him from a wounded place. Right. It's not his fault. It's mm-hmm. not your fault either. It's no one's fault. Right. So it's more about, I love you, thank you, and I have some healing to do. And I've become clear that I can't do that in a relationship with anyone right now. Right. And I want to give you your space to heal, and I want to honor my space to heal. So it's time for me to go. But the too late thing, that's Mm -hmm. just just passive-aggressive. Right. Don't do that. Okay. Yeah. I think it is time and it is exciting, you know, the opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
and you knew the answer to your question before you even called me. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you just wanted some permission and reassurance that your trusting your intuition was the quote unquote right thing to do. Right. It's time for you to really go discover what love is. Yeah. So be clear about when you're going to move, get your place, get some support, a therapist, a coach, something so that you can not feel like you're navigating this alone. Right. Because yes, it's important to do our work alone, but it's also important to realize we're human beings right. living in an interdependent world and it's important to have our support system around us Yeah, and really do the, do the work, like the work, the Byron Katie work that we talked about Okay, and watch what you tell yourself and watch what you believe because there's the natural grief that you will feel from a breakup. That's natural. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the feelings you're creating from your thoughts And some of those thoughts aren't true. Right. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Is this helpful? Yes. This is really helpful. Thank you. Before we go, I'd love for you to really acknowledge yourself. What do you see in yourself that's so amazing about you, Rachel? Uh, I see that... I'm smart and that I've held myself back for a long time for other people, um, even though it's not talked about here. But, you know, I feel like I'm kind of coming out of my cocoon now. Mm. As corny as it sounds. <laughs> hey, it's not corny at all. It's actually quite beautiful. It's time for you to fly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And leaving the relationship doesn't make him wrong. You don't need to worry about his feelings or take that on. Be kind, mm-hmm. be loving in how you end it. Don't say the things like it's too late. Right. Just own your side of the street. And the best way that you can support him is to give him to God. Pray for him, send him light. Yeah. But he's not yours to fix. Right. And you're not his to finally make, feel good about herself. Right. He's responsible for fixing him. You're responsible for seeing yourself the way you want to be seen. Right. You make you a priority. Stop waiting for someone else to do it. Yeah. Well, that's big and that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Yeah. All right, my love, I'm sending you so much love through this microphone. All right. Thank you, Christina. (laughs) Thank you so much. Like I said to Rachel, she knew the answer to her question before she even asked it. She just needed a little permission, which I totally understand, and I was happy to provide that. It was clear to me from the beginning that she was clear and that this was an issue-based relationship. Otherwise, I would have explored the possibility of working on the relationship more with her boyfriend. So what is an issue-based relationship, you ask? Well, if you listen to the show for a while, you probably already know. But over the years, I've come up with five different kinds of romantic relationships, one of which is what I call issue-based. And here's what it looks like. So issue-based relationships usually have a lot of chemistry. Ooh, boy, oh boy, are you attracted to that person? It's like you may fight, but... mm, 
when it comes to the physical part of that relationship, the making up part is really, really good. And that's kind of is what hooks you in there. You're just super attracted to the person. But one of the reasons you're attracted to them is because your issues dovetail. If you have abandonment issues, you probably are attracting someone who isn't really fully available. If you have old hurts or one of your parents cheated on the other person, you might have attracted someone who is a cheater or in an issue-based relationship, both of you could be addicts in some way or both of you could be really judgmental. Basically, the issues dovetail. And what's beautiful about issue-based relationships is that they are huge, huge learning opportunities because they show us our shadow and they bring any kind of unresolved stuff up to the surface. So you might think, well, why would I ever want an issue-based relationship if it brings all my shadow stuff to the surface? Well, again, rich with learning and healing. And a lot of times we need some of these issue-based relationships to show us where we still do need some healing. So I'll talk a little bit more about issue-based relationships as I break down this call with Rachel. So you heard that she was staying in the relationship waiting for him to change. But what she was really waiting for was to feel what she longed for from her dad. Like she was chosen, special, and approved of. Now she had a lot of hurts that she was still carrying around from her dad, even if their relationship was good, as she said it in the call. Notice her voice really inflected on that one. You know, her parents divorced when she was a teenager, so she had to deal with him leaving the family then. And then she also had to deal with watching him fall in love with another woman and start a new family, which probably made her feel even more not like a priority. She longed for validation from a man, from her dad, to feel like his number one priority and pick someone like her father who never made her feel number one in an unconscious attempt to resolve that issue that started from her dad. This is a very common thing we do. You know, we go out and look for the love from the person we crave the most and other people. So I encourage you to be honest with yourself about the kind of person that you're attracted to. Are you playing out unresolved stuff from mom or dad? As you heard in the call, I encourage Rachel to focus on herself, to spend some time on her own and work through some of the old hurts that have been holding her back. Immerse herself in books, you know, expectation hangover is a great one, a coach or a counselor of her own. And also she mentioned she was in couples therapy with her boyfriend and that's great. But in issue-based relationships, honestly, my encouragement is the two people need to be in individual therapy, work through their own stuff. And then if they decide they still want to be together, which is possible, then you can do some therapy together. But really you just keep bumping up against each other's issues in therapy. So you might as well work on it on your own really learn and grow. And then couples therapy will be so much more effective. So also you may be wondering why I didn't support Rachel in moving back home with her dad. You know, you might've thought, oh my gosh, she has it hard enough. She has to go through a breakup financially. It would be so nice to have the love and support and she could heal things with her dad. Well, just like in an issue-based relationship where my encouragement to couples is to work on their own stuff first, like I said, before trying to work on their relationship on couples therapy, it's challenging to heal the core issues you have with someone when you're living in the same house as the person you have them with. Does that make sense? Is it impossible to heal issues with someone when you're living in the same house with them? No. Is it challenging? Yes. So if given the choice, I strongly feel Rachel is way better off living on her own, 
finding her own sense of safety and support, healing and nurturing her relationship with her higher power and making herself her number one priority so that then she can have a healthy, loving relationship with her dad and eventually with a man in her life. I also, when we talked, invited her to join my inner circle. That's my membership community. So she has a support system and so that she can talk about this stuff and so that she's constantly in a community where she's learning new tools and embodying new qualities and really making herself a priority. And if you want to learn more about that and make yourself a priority, invest in yourself and get a lot more of my support, you can go to christinehassler.com slash inner circle. So finally, some takeaways for you. Really think about whose love did you crave the most? Whose love, attention, approval, affection did you crave the most? Mom or dad? And how are you still looking for it in other people? And a good way to discover this is to do some journaling and just start with the sentence starter. Dear mom, I wish you, and just fill in the blank. Dear dad, I wish you. And it'll really start to reveal what you really longed for from them, what you really craved. If you realize and recognize or think that you're in an issue-based relationship, get some therapy or coaching on your own. Stop looking at your romantic partner to change. Stop waiting for them to choose you. Make you a priority. Work on you. Then go look at the relationship. In terms of your relationship with your higher power, just ask for help. If you don't really pray and it's kind of awkward to you, just say help. Help is a great prayer. Thank you is a great prayer. Prayer doesn't have to be complicated. God knows what you mean. Make yourself your number one priority. Again, stop waiting for someone else to do it for you. And again, really consider coming and joining my incredible membership community. So many amazing, amazing, amazing people are in Inner Circle. And I'd love to support you and continue to teach you there. Again, it's christinehasler.com slash Inner Circle. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share it. Or if you know someone that could really benefit from this particular topic, please share this episode. I thank you so much for listening. Again, your feedback is always welcome. ChristineHassler.com slash survey. Much love and many blessings to you all. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at ChristineHassler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe in iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehassler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. 